Welcome to Curiosity Taught the Cat, the podcast where we take animals you see every day, animals you've heard of, and animals you didn't know existed, and break them down in a single episode. Our goal as animal lovers is to spread knowledge and awareness about the creatures we share this floating rock with. We hope you learn something new. Hello and welcome to Curiosity Taught the Cat. I'm Jack. I'm Julia. And what are we talking about today? Today we are talking about the Arctic Shrew. So real quick, some other nicknames that you will hear for the Arctic Shrew are the Saddlebacked Shrew and the Blackbacked Shrew, but we will be referring to it as just the Arctic Shrew. So Arctic Shrews, believe it or not, are found in the Arctic Circle. They range from about northern uh, United States, so areas like Minnesota and North Dakota, all the way up through Canada to the lower part of the Arctic Circle. And the types of environments that the Arctic shrews are found in are typically boreal forests, uh, which are forests found in more like uh, snowy, colder climates, as well as marshes in places where it's a little bit uh, warmer. But they can also be found in dry fields, uh, oil, old fields, um, conifer swamps, uh, grasslands type areas. Uh, but so they they basically can be found a lot over and you can see this with a lot of shrews um the shrew is a very adapted uh, kind of species to where they're all over the world in very different uh, climates and habitats and even though they're found all over these different kinds of habitats uh they're always going to be near bodies of water uh, and you'll see this with a lot of species just because water is just so important to species to creatures in general so these are always going to be found near bodies of water in these different kinds of habitats Now, the best way to kind of describe what they look like, I would say they kind of look like a cross between a mouse and a mole. They kind of have this mouse-shaped body, but when you look at their actual face and head, that's what looks like a typical mole, as we would say. So it has a very slim nose and really, really, really tiny eyes. And we'll get into that later of why they have such small eyes as well. And their colors kind of, they differentiate based on how old they are where they live, and also what season it is. So, you know, during the summer months, they might have more brownish coats, but as it goes into winter with the snow, they might turn more gray as well. And then as for the size of the shrew, the Arctic shrew is classified as a medium-sized shrew, uh, which isn't saying much because they are still tiny. Uh, Weight-wise, they're between uh, 0.19 and 0.48 ounces, which is nothing. Um, And then their lengths range from uh, about four inches to about five inches, uh, roughly. And a lot of that is they have a very long tail. They also have a very long nose and snout. So uh, those two parts make up a good chunk of them. Uh, Like their tail length ranges from 36 to 45 millimeters. And then the the hind foot uh, area is like 12 to 15 millimeters. So like they're body short, but they have these longer limbs uh, that are adapting Uh, to their environments and another interesting physical characteristic about them that kind of leads into them uh, what they eat is their teeth Uh, so they have a lot of sharp teeth Uh, usually with other rodents you don't see that as much Uh, I know the stereotypical like mouse rat look or hamsters they have those uh, kind of like square looking teeth kind of uh, flattened but uh, because of the things that shrews eat which are mainly insects 
Uh, they are insectivores, which means more than 50% of their diet comes from insects. Uh, so they have to hunt. So they need the sharper teeth and able to catch and like tear apart prey. Um, a lot of the uh, uh, bugs that they eat are sawflies. Uh, that's going to be one of the biggest that they eat. Um, but they also prey on uh, grasshoppers, larvae. Um, it uh, really depends on where they're at, but they will eat any stage of insect, really, whether it be like larva, pupa, uh, adults. Um, they've also been known to eat other invertebrates, which are just other uh, like insects, um, but it's mainly those sawflies and grasshoppers. And just a little fun fact for this, because they are so small, they have to eat almost 90% of their own body weight each day to survive. And because of this, they can starve to death if they don't eat for just half a day. So when you think of like us as humans, you know, if need be, we can go, you know, a couple weeks without eating, but just half a day for these small animals and they could starve to death. And exactly how they hunt just kind of depends on what they're eating. So they usually scavenge like the ground of the forest and stuff. And that's when they're looking for kind of the larvae and stuff like that. But they have also been observed as kind of sneaking up and climbing to a higher ground and then jumping on top of insects such as grasshoppers. Um, So you kind of see this as them pouncing and they have very, very small eyes, as I mentioned, and their sight is very limited. So they do this pretty much almost all on sense of smell. Then as for what eats the Arctic shrew, uh, there really isn't much. Uh, as a, There's really only one truly confirmed that we really know of, and that is the uh, great horned owl. So, And it's going to be other owls usually, but we have found Arctic shrew remains in great horned owl pellet, uh, which is their um, uh, feces. Uh, but how a shrew is defensive, they have this uh, musky scent, uh, which is usually enough to either keep other things away uh, because scent can be really overpowering and can be too much. Um, they're also really good. They, they hide a lot. If they're not hunting and um, they're not out like looking for food or water, they hide. So it makes it harder for just to be found from owls. When it comes to the Arctic shrews mating and courtship, we don't really know a lot about it. All we know is we can base it off of other types of shrew. So usually the uh, mating season, it's really short, and it's between April and August. Now, the female will get will lay about one to two litters a year, and these offspring will be in range from four to ten with an average of seven. And we've used this word before, uh, but shrews are uh, polygynous. Um, the, the males are described as uh, being promiscuous. Um, it's the idea of um, everybody pretty much mates with everybody. Um, and it's a way of really just helping their numbers, like making sure a female gets pregnant in order to have babies. The more often she's able to mate, uh, the more likely she is to get pregnant and have babies and carry on their genes. Uh, so the Arctic shrew reaches sexual maturity at about one year. Uh, they live about a year and a half usually, and they it takes a little while to get to sexual maturity. But... They're able to have so many litters in a year because the gestation period is only uh, two to three weeks. So they're only pregnant for two to three weeks. And then uh, lactation for the baby uh, being fed milk from the mother uh, usually only lasts uh, three to three and a half weeks. So it is a very quick turnaround period, pumping babies out, uh, getting them to as big as they can get to where they can fend for themselves and then uh, kicking them out and then having more is how it usually goes. 
And then some fun, uh, like, reproductive things we, I learned from this. Uh, female Arctic shrews are called sows, similar to pigs. Uh, males are called boars, since females are called sows. And then a baby shrew is called a shrewlet. And when Arctic shrews are actually born, they are completely helpless. So we already talked about how their vision is lacking already. Well, imagine when you're a baby and you can barely open your eyes as well. They are pretty helpless, and they remain in care with their mother from about five to almost seven weeks, which, you know, considering their lifespan, is kind of a long time for them. And that's after conception. So not even – so it's five to six and a half weeks after conception. So not even that full – five to six and a half weeks are – uh, when the baby is out and about, it's from that's including pregnancy. So the Arctic shrew is a very uh, solitary species. The only kind of relationships we see are the mother-child relationship while she's uh, feeding them. After that, they are pretty solitary. They only come together again to mate. Uh, in in certain laboratories or in one laboratory study, uh, whenever two Arctic shrews were uh, put in a cage together, uh, one was always dead within several days. So yeah, they they do not usually do well together. Uh, but when it comes to other animals, other species of animal, they tend to do pretty well. It's pretty much just a uh, don't mess with them. They won't mess with me sort of thing. They kind of keep their distance. And now the Arctic shrew is actually a very active and quick creature, um, which when we think about like mice and stuff, we know them as being very agile and fast and can move quickly. And this is the same with the Arctic shrew. They are actually, it's estimated that they have the highest metabolism of any animal, uh, and because of its little body and how much it eats, it makes sense of that. And a little fun fact is that they also have, on average, 12 body movements per second. So when you think of just in one second, they have 12 different actions in their body. Um, you know, pretty active creatures. So we don't have a ton of information about how shrews communicate. Uh, but like Julia said earlier, they have really poor eyesight since they have such small eyes. Uh, so the best bet is olfaction, which is like sense of smell and like communicating with like scents and musks and whatnot is really big. Uh, the the shrew, Arctic shrew likes to cover itself in like musk, which it'll do with various objects it finds and even usually its own spit, similar to other uh, creatures like it. And then as for vocalizations, they don't make a ton of different vocalizations. Uh, as you can imagine, they're pretty high pitched uh, considering how small they are. But most of their calls are made in defense, courtship, and then because of fright usually. And when it comes to the Arctic shrew's actual population size, we do not have to worry about them at the moment. They are doing fine. Um, they are abundant because we mentioned of how much they give birth each year and because of how wide their range is that they can actually live in. And they are listed as least concerned in their population. So once again, nothing to worry about for them. And I actually learned this week, I had never known before. So when we've looked at uh, these like scales that we always talk about, we talk about like least concerned, critically endangered, endangered sort of thing or threatened. Uh, there's actually two more to the left of least concern and, and it is data deficient, which is the one right before. So data deficient is just means we have some data. We don't have enough to make a decision though. And then the one Furthest to the left is no data recorded. So it means we just ha don't have anything about them. So least concern really is the lowest possible rung. It can be assigned saying that we have enough information about the creature that we can say it is okay. 
And then as for any threats they may face, there are no active threats listed against them. Um, but the one we put down just because it usually always is going to be a threat is habitat loss. It's just whether it be like logging, uh, climate change going on, the their habitat is going to be infringed upon. And that's probably going to be the biggest threat to these creatures. So some fun facts that we have. So we mentioned earlier about their communication. And one that I found that was really interesting is that we assume that they also use echolocation. Um, and they use this, they call it a Twitter, um, which I haven't actually heard what it sounds like, but they use this and then it reverberates back onto their whiskers. Um, so just another form of communication and kind of to find their way around with this terrible eyesight. So the shrews at one point in their history, the Arctic shrews specifically, uh, were as far south as Colorado and Virginia in the United States. Uh, so... That's all the way back almost uh, a million years ago. It's it's between half a million to almost a million years ago is when they were found that far south, which I think is pretty interesting. And then also, Arctic shrews are actually a really good regulating force for insects in the areas that they are. Because they have to eat so many insects and because insects is their primary diet, they really help to control a lot of the insect populations in the places where they live. And then the last fun fact that I have is that we mentioned earlier that they associate themselves next to water and that some even like the lakeside is their home. Uh, we have found in some trout stomachs the remains of shrew. Um, I saw there was one instance where a fisherman caught a trout and when they emptied its stomach, it had over 10 shrew in its stomach. So it's just in certain areas where it's very common with the trout. And that pretty much wraps up everything we have on the Arctic shrew. Uh, be sure to tune in next week where we talk about the caribou, uh, better known as the reindeer. And be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, and you can find those handles in the description for the episode. I'd also like to thank my friend, the musical artist known as Shades, for creating this amazing intro and outro for this podcast. I highly recommend checking out his other work.